The Evolve Pod is hosted and produced by TriSwimCoaching.com, the home of expert swimming, open water and triathlon coaching for all abilities in Oxfordshire. If you're interested in getting involved in multi-sport, please visit TriSwimCoaching.com and get yourself set up for a free consultation with me to see how we can help your triathlon performance. We're also supported by Notepad. Notepad are a kick-ass Birmingham-based branding agency who formulate crystal clear strategy alongside jaw-dropping design to make your brand truly unbeatable. You can check them out via their website at notepadstudio.com. Lastly, as a little benefit for the listener, I've teamed up with The Fell Store, an independent business created in lockdown to inspire more people to enjoy the mental and physical benefits of nature and the outdoors. They provide tasty, lightweight, dehydrated and freeze-dried meals ideal for any outdoor adventure. You can use the promo code EVOLVE15 on checkout to get 15% off all meals. He's back on the podcast, podcast favourite, Dan Wormsley, back with me for episode 38. Dan's already featured on episode 1, episode 2 and episode 24 and he brings his value back to the podcast as we open up that massive box, well-being. What does well-being mean? What does it mean to you as an individual? How can we apply the concept of well-being into our lifestyles? So we've broken it down, physical well-being, emotional well-being, nutritional well-being and financial well-being. Dan and I discuss how these four key areas are so closely intertwined with each other that allow us to really experience and engage with our emotions to really understand well-being, what it means and how we can apply it to ourselves. So why don't you take a listen, learn and grow. As always, if you do like the content and feel it could benefit a fellow friend, colleague, family member, please don't hesitate to share it, please leave us a review and please continue to spread the good word. Welcome back to episode 38 of the Evolve Pod. And for those of you that have listened uh, back before, you will recognise the voice that is soon to be very, very pleasant on your ears. I'm bringing Dan, Dan Wormsley, back onto the pod. He's featured, what, three times now, I think, so far, Dan? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, welcome back, mate. It's really good to have you on. And I really wanted to get you on um, for a number of reasons, but in particular because I want this episode to be quite an insight into well-being as a general term. But we've spoken quite a lot before and just previously before recording this podcast about well-being and what it means and you know the general kind of potential misunderstanding of what well-being can mean. And I know you've been quite open and honest with me and listeners about your journey. And I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to actually open up the well-being box and kind of unpack it for the listeners. But before we get to kind of get into that, mate, how are you getting on? How are you doing? Yeah, firstly, really grateful for being back here on the pod, um, podcast. You know, like it's been going from strength to strength and I'm sharing it with people and re-listening to episodes. So, yeah, really grateful to be back. Um, yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, as a general well-being thing right now, my well-being is like maxing out and pretty good. I've just spent four days uh, hiking across the Lake District. Um, it was the four days, first four days of the coast-to-coast path that I managed to do with my wife, which was like epic. The sun was good. So yeah, I'm, my well-being is good, really good at the moment. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment, really, and just enjoying enjoying that sort of come down from the other side of it, 
And then also coming back to a house where there's full of children and you've got the washing and tidying. <laughs> all that general stuff you have to do. All the real life stuff. And as I understand it, they still out on the trail. Yeah, so she's got, she's got I think, I believe she's got another 11, 11 days left of hiking. So like, like the coast to coast, it's a fantastic one. It's 192 miles and she's doing it in 15 days total. Excuse me. Yeah. So she's out there and the re her reason why... Um, for doing it is because it scared her so much um, and she's facing a fear before it's been with a group or a tribe of people but this time she's completely doing it alone so I'm, I'm like super proud and stoked for her to to face to face that enormity of you know that challenge of being being there relying on yourself when you've never done anything quite like that before so yeah it's really kind of it kind of really powerful nice is there any way of tracking her and her progress? Is she, or is she just solitude doing it completely on her own, just out there enjoying it? Yeah, she's she's literally just doing it, switching off from the world and just sort of doing it on her own, which I think is really kind of special as well. And to be honest, I didn't want to give her any more any more technical stuff to take along with her. Just charging her <laughs> on the phone and stuff like that was all she needed, you know. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to like regroup and like reconnect, you don't want to be like recharging the things that don't need recharging, right? Exactly. Happy days. So cool, man. Well, let, let's kick straight into it then. Well-being, um, a massive topic, massive subject. We can break it down into sort of big bits, small bits, but as a general kind of thing, what, is, what does well-being mean to you? Well, well-being is an interesting one. It's kind of, for me, like that word, I didn't really know probably until about a year ago, but a few years ago, well-being was this thing that you, you, it's kind of your happiness kind of level in a generic term. But, you know, it's thrown around widely for everything now. Like any of these trend words, they get picked up by everybody and you've got to use your well-being. And we were just chatting before you start recording about, you know, you say well-being to people and they just can't pinpoint what that means. They just sort of use it as a loose term, you know. Um, so let's kind of sort of break that down a bit and, and sort of give people a good understanding of what well-being is. Well-being for me um, is kind of your own happiness level. And you can't compare that to anybody else because everyone else have, you know, it's a very subjective title. So my well-being at the moment, as I just said in the intro, is it's, it's up there. But which part of my well-being is right really high at the moment? Um, you know, we kind of broke it down, didn't we, to physical, emotional, nutritional, financial. That's the, that's the life stuff um, with that. So well-being with me is is like it's kind of... You're spinning a lot of plates. It's balancing. So you're really lucky if you have all those four uh, parts, four foundations, four pillars of well-being that are like going off at once. You know, it's a really hard thing to sustain all the time. Um, I don't think I've ever had it. I don't think I've ever had all of them up. Maybe once I had all of them up at once, but yeah, very brief. Um, so yeah, well-being is just... Oh, it's a happiness level, isn't it? Across the whole gauge of your life, commitments, family, friends, business, you know, social life, uh, yeah, exercise, nutrition, it's all those, it's across there. So it's a really broad subject, but um, I think we're going to break it down into four four sections, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Break it down into four four kind of clear areas, really. So you mentioned physical, emotional, nutritional, and financial. And there, there are sort of other areas that you could break down further like you know your 
your social well-being etc but I think those four headings really kind of give an insight into the key areas of well-being and what they mean and how they can actually intertwine and relate to each other which again then creates that kind of gauge of your happiness that you, you kind of coined just now and I think um let's start with the physical obviously for those that have listened to the pod before they know a fair amount about me a fair amount about you and how physical activity and exercise does hugely benefit the both of us can you kind of open up a little bit more about what that actually means to you in terms of what it brings you um how it keeps you on a balanced day-to-day etc yeah for sure so physical well-being for me is not always about like exercising although at first when I was first doing it I did get a lot of positive feedback and I felt really good from from doing exercise like I suppose physical well-being is being out like for 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 my wife who had a bad back COVID at Christmas Naomi COVID at Christmas her physical well-being was really bad because no one could diagnose this bad back she had from inflammation so she couldn't move so she wasn't really moving through anything so that made us made her kind of not get out and and do much uh, exercise because of the pain um but for me exercise as you know exercise is a great one it releases so many different chemicals for going out for a walk or a jog or run lifting a few weights you know running up and down the stairs 10 times it can be anything um in that way but for me I know since I started running um, and doing my sort of daily-ish uh, exercising uh, of like weights and hit stuff and stuff like that, that well-being, I feel really good and that lasts a lot longer, you know, it's that kind of you put the effort in and that buzz from the exercise stays there for a few days until you get DOMS or something like that and then you just go <laughs> do exercise over again. Um, so in that side, I pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I know recently when I haven't done it, like this year, early January to probably May time, early May, I haven't really focused any exercise or really done as much as I should have been doing for various reasons, partly laziness um, as well. And I noticed my uh, emotional well-being had dropped off the side. And with that, you know, you 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 do stuff, you do short-term fixes, like you'll go out and have extra pints with your mates or, you know, silly stuff like that where you're replacing that long-term well-being happiness with a short-term sort of pleasure fix. And I realised that was happening a lot and it was having a detrimental effect. So when I revisited and went back and I started to train for the for one of the big races that I had, um, I realised the whole world changed around me. Or was it me that changed from inside? I don't know, but I saw the world in a different different light just from that physical activity. And that had a knock-on effect, you know. You, you, you feel better when you wake up in the morning. My kids wanted to do exercise with me. I'm trying to get them ready for school and they just want to do exercise. You're like, okay, here's some dumbbells. Lift them while I make the lunches. <laughs> um, and that whole world around you in the vicinity is really, is really positive. So I, I put a lot um, of my happiness value well-being value in physical exercise um being out hiking walking stuff like that take the last four days i've just been walking across the lake district that that was amazing just to reset and only worry about putting one foot in front of the other climbing a mountain carrying a bag and feeding yourself um and that reset like oh it's that was that was physical 
Um, there were long, hard days. Some of them, I think we did a 20-mile day walking with Pat. That raised the bar of, of that physical well-being. You know, I got dosed up, dosed up massively with that. Um, I think you find, you know, like you say, when you're, when you, when you, you know, especially when you're injured and stuff like that, you, your well-being does take a dive a bit, doesn't it? Because you can't get out and you're frustrated to go and do, you can't do the normal level, so you're missing something in your life. Um, I don't know, what's your, what's your kind of take on the physical, physical well-being side? How does it affect you in that way? Yeah, it's an interesting one. If I look back, and I've, I've been sort of listening and reflecting as you've been talking, if I look back on some of the things I've done previously around physical exercise and activities and events, I think they might actually have been detrimental to my well-being because I've been approaching them in the wrong way. And I think this is where there's a really fine balance between training towards something or training for your own personal growth is actually quite important to understand as an individual in terms of your well-being because training for a big event challenge Ironman for example is, is one of my things that I've done before it can be uh, you know depending on who you are where you're at you can heap a lot of pressure on yourself on those around you um, and you know if I look back onto one of my Ironman experiences I look back and I'm like what 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 was all that pressure all about where did it come from why did I put all that on my shoulders when I absolutely didn't need to and it turned into one of those experiences in life which I talked about on the podcast before where at the time it was dreadful hated it for with my coach's hat on brilliant experience to go through because I now know what to see in other people and what to expect etc and help people navigate through that but I think when we think about physical well-being it's not necessarily pushing boundaries it's not necessarily you know climbing the biggest mountain that you can find it's not necessarily challenging yourself always to go outside of your comfort zones every single day as good as that is to do from time to time it's about keeping yourself moving keeping yourself active and keeping yourself healthy and I think healthy is the key because there's a difference between being incredibly fit and being healthy yeah for sure if so <laughs> that's the thing I've been chatting to a lot of people I think there was a guy on your podcast the older guy who does the Ironmans, who, who was like... Oh, Peter, Peter Gillett. Yeah, and it was one line that comes from there, and it's, it sustains me, and I repeat it a lot when I'm chatting to people. Um, I went to the... Because I, I did my big race, and I, I got an injury, I got tendonitis, so I couldn't carry on on the Cape Wrath. managed two days of that. That was hell, but epic. Uh, but that's a different story. Um, and I went to the doctors to go and get an x-ray, because I thought I had a stress fracture. And they had a look at it and they did all the business and they're, they're asking me like how much you run and I was telling them what I was doing, you know, and how much mileage I'm doing a week. And the first thing the nurse said to me, she goes, that's bad for your joints. And I was like, no, me sitting in an office chair or doing nothing is bad for my joints. Getting out and running makes me stronger, you know. Um, and it kind of, it kind of, and I was telling about that guy and, and I was just like, well, you know, there's this man who I know on a podcast that he, for his, you know, his friends for retirement, they've saved, they've invested money for their retirement. And he's invested in his health by staying active and physically fit and healthy as well. So in his retirement, he's stronger and fitter than all of his mates. And I love that because imagine that you're in your, you're in your, I don't know how his 70s, was he 70s? He's 74 now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And who was the other, there was a Japanese guy recently, a 90 year old. Who yeah, yeah. The Iron Man qualified for Kona isn't he you know 90 years of age just by physical activity and keeping yourself 
your well-being high. That is, to me, the, the absolute pinnacle of where we all want to be. I think, you know, all these things, they link together, but having your, being physically able um, has a lot of, if you can't move, if you, you know, like Naomi's dad, who's got Parkinson's um, and dementia in that, he's now not being able to walk as far as he used to be able to. He's a proper mountain man, done all like Camino Santiago, the 800 mile walk. Um, but now his abilities lessen, so he's finding it more difficult. So his well being is dropping off from that physical side, but it's now adjusting that um, in a way where we'll do shorter shorter walks but we make sure we get out every day kind of thing and yeah it, I think it's so I think for me the physical one if I had to have it in an order the physical one up there would be would be priority for me but it's not because they're quite blurry lines it's not number one in itself but I kind of put that on my sort of top thing if I'm physically fit and healthy eating the right foods and stuff which we'll come to in a minute um, then everything else plays out you know if I'm fit and strong, I can play and run around with my kids for hours. I can go running, I can go swimming. Yeah, I can do all this, you can do all this stuff with the physic, with your good physical well-being. And like you say, it doesn't have to be. I think lockdown was really good for that because people found their local areas and they managed to get out for a lot. And um, you don't have to go and scale a mountain and, and do stuff like that. It's just moving, stretching, focusing, walking, just being. You know, I'm really fortunate. You're really fortunate. We don't spend a lot of time behind a desk uh, each day, and um, we're out and about. Um, but the majority of people do spend a lot of time behind desks. So if you know if they can get to walk to work once a week or at lunchtime, go and have a walk around instead of sitting at a desk and eating, that's kind of physical well-being, and that like that really does help tenfold. And that, and then you always build on that. You go, I'll do a ten-minute walk, I'll do a twenty-minute walk, or whatever you whatever you want, as long as you start small, as long as you're doing something towards your physical well-being. I think that's really uh, positive in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to drop in a note here. That I was talking to a client this morning um, and it's about, you know, like training towards an event and the physical well-being in terms of as part of a bigger picture of training. And it's I think it's really important for people to remember and to understand that if you have a big event in the calendar that you are training religiously towards, that is a good thing to do because you challenge yourself you're hopefully bettering yourself, you're, you're working things out, you're, you're finding it more about you as you train. But I think the really important thing that a lot of people forget in terms of sort of training, physical activity and performance is that when you get to that start line, that in itself is a massive achievement. Like mm -hmm. all the physical training that you've done to get to that point is very rarely rewarded because people are so focused on the outcome of that event. Yeah, which which quite often is decided by things outside of your control. Yeah, and I think giving people a pat on the back or giving yourself a pat on the back because of all the physical exercise, which involves the emotional, nutritional, and quite often financial investment as well. But getting yourself to that point on the start line, if, you're, if you are training for a physical challenge, whatever it may be, is massive. It, and that's what I think we need to reward ourselves from for a little bit more than what we probably do. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been, you know, in being present. I know when I was up at the Cape Wrath Ultra and I was on the starting line, I I had it in my head. I did my, uh, if this happens, if this happens, then I'll do this kind of had that routine all, all planned out. Um, yeah, it was financially expensive to get there. Physically, I kind of didn't train as much 
as I should have done, and I know, and I know that just because you know, get lazy. It's winter time, and it's just one of those things. And I kind of knew that, and I pushed a bit hard towards the end to try and train for it. Um, but also, I went into that, and I sort of the training that I had done previously. I had probably about four months not training enough. Um, but I kind of put that to one side, and then when I was up at the starting line, actually on day two when I when I realised like a 22 kilometre death march back into the finish, and I knew in my head I had like three or four times, and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm going to carry on. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. And I crossed the line, and the guy's like, well done. Starting day three, I was like, nope, I'm not doing day three. He's like, why don't you sleep on it? And I was like, well, okay, I could, but no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it because it was. I was in a lot of lot of pain uh, physically, um, so my physical well-being was down that day. And it was the next day when we were getting the bus out of there back home. I was looking at all the people who also had sort of finished and decided to DNF, um, and it was interesting to see their take on it, the pressure they still had on themselves uh, of kind of trying to justify why they quit in that way. And it was really interesting because I did my thing beforehand for my for my well-being. You know, if this if I don't make it, if for whatever reason I don't finish this race, I know that every day I've given 100%. I've given my best shot at it, and that really helps because I could have beat myself up because I was only day two into an eight-day expedition race, and it's kind of I've waited two years to get onto this, and you know, it financially it's expensive, time away, training, everything like that. But I was kind of really happy that I'd made that list to go, okay, yeah, I'd given my best shot. And then I was surprised at how everybody was, they were so down on themselves, you know, that, that it was like, a, it was like they were mourning something. And but you can't suddenly just say, look, you know, you chose to quit. You chose to stop, you know, majority have chosen, apart, unless you've in, injured yourself, majority have chosen to stop doing this for whatever reason. Um, but you can't really say that to people at that time because they'll probably think you're a an idiot. Um, <laughs> it's managing well-being, isn't it? It was managing my uh, well-being after that after that event, and I came back buzzing. I, you know, I met some fantastic people. I'd been through some of the most arduous wilderness in the west coast of Scotland, like the bogs of eternal doom that you ran through. I lost count of about 45 times that I fell over, slipped into bog. Like, it was just the, the most craziest day in my life, that was. Um, and my well-being wasn't up and down there. <laughs> then, then coming out of that, you know, I, I, I planned. And I think that's the way what most people can do. If you're, say, you know, we know we, 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 we train for big events, but you've got people who are just starting their journey on become, you know, becoming physically fit and, and healthy. So they're probably, you know, the couch to 5K, the classic example. Um, and I think people can always make a plan for stuff like that because when you look around stuff, the fitness industry is kind of like pretty gross at times, what they show off, you know, these really super fit people, you know, the before and after shots and stuff like that. And it's, you can't compare yourself to what other people are doing and so making a plan um for if you're doing like if you're doing a couch 5k is making a plan that okay if today doesn't go well it doesn't matter because there's always the next day and the next day and i heard what was a quote i'm trying to remember the quote i heard um your 
Well, the quote, it was, it was a great, fantastic story. I can't remember the woman's book now, but she was an ultra sky runner who fell off a mountain. And one of the quotes is that she had when she was doing her rehab was, your best days in, as an athlete are ahead of you. And I think that's really, that's changed my aspect. When I have a crap day, I can only judge my crap day on that day I've run, you know. Tomorrow, I'm not going to compare it to one previously because that was so long ago now, it doesn't count. And I can't compare it to ones in the future because they haven't happened yet. So you just go, you tick it off the box. And it's kind of having those little mantras and stuff like that that actually really do help. Otherwise, you can put yourself in a box where you can... Well, your worst enemy, aren't you? You're your own worst enemy. And I think once you let go of that and know that you are always competing with yourself, then your well-being, physical well-being can, can change. And that's why well-being is really interesting because I'm trying to like formulate these answers conversation in my head but you go well-being is attached to every single bit of our life and it can be so, it's a broad subject but it's also you can break it down into these smaller bits that really help you out and if you can mend these smaller bits or fix these smaller bits or build on these smaller bits then your general well-being should like uh, it should flourish you know it should be it should feel really Really good. I don't know where I was going with that point, but we. I no, think... no, no. It's it's kind of like the physical well-being is again. We've done it. We've we've gone straight into the kind of exercise part of it, but there's also the rest and recovery and that sort of stuff, which again, you know, that's a whole different podcast. That well, I think there's an episode previously with a sleep expert about rest and recovery, which is massive again. And you know, I think a lot of um, people or athletes don't necessarily make the most of the opportunities with rest and recovery and how that can benefit both performance and well-being um, and having a greater understanding of what physical well-being means for each of us as an individual because it'll it'll be different for everybody is is probably the first step in the right direction yeah and I think sort of to cap the physical well-being off I think if people <clears throat> feel like their 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 physical well-being is low you know they haven't exercised or they've never exercised before or they've been like a, an athlete and then they stopped exercising it's just to start something you know something whether it's walking where it's lifting a can of beans above your head like 10 times every day you know it's those small bits and it's it's starting small and over time you will see the changes, you know, it's, it, it's a, a long-term fix. And you've got, I think always, it's what always comes back is consistency. If you can consistency work on your physical well-being, you'll be a different person in six months' time. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Giving you, imagine giving yourself six months where you just worked on, say you've never run, run before and you want to run, uh, I don't know, a 5k in six months, 10k in six months, I'm not really sure. Um, but you just work on that a little bit. You run for a minute, you know, you eat well, you, you sleep well and stuff like that. Within six months, you'll be a completely different person to where you were when you started. And if you, what I've been doing as well, which helped me and sort of um, brought me to doing the exercise every day or, or most days, every other day is having an exercise journal where I'm just writing, today I ran for five minutes, or today I did 20 squats, or a 40-minute hit session. And that keeps you accountable, and then you can look back at what you've achieved, and that re really changed my attitude towards my physical well-being, because I could see how much I've been putting in. So if I missed three or four or five days of exercise, or whatever it was, I can look back and go, well, I've done all of that, so that is okay. 
you can do some more tomorrow, you know, um, which I think is really important. So, yeah, I think people just starting their physical journey, movement, movement is key. I think moving is key in whichever way they want to do it and plan out, plan a week what you're going to do this week, you know, write it down day before. And yeah, and just sort of have, have, a, have a plan because that's, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have a plan for anything and I floated around aimlessly like a cork in the ocean, sort of being pushed here and there and everywhere. And actually, the more I write down the plans, I, hate, I hated routine, I hated planning. Um, but now I realise actually it's really valuable because you've got to do that. Like every night I write down my list of things to do the next day and that keeps me keeps me there to go and exercise or whatever you know yeah so nice. it's going to have it yeah i think that's i think that's kind of physical physical well-being isn't it yeah yeah accountability is a big one but that's a that's probably a whole nother pod <laughs> yeah it's, it's so broad isn't it it's like yeah. you think about it and you go oh, ah. yeah. yeah okay right you did kind of segue to it just now nutritional well-being is obviously what we eat and drink I think they, you know, you've, you've probably listened to the podcast with I've done with James Hudson from Nutrition for Energy. Obviously, you've worked with James a little bit. You, you know him from Snowden Six Ways and other challenges. But what does it mean for you as a kind of non-professional nutritionist, somebody who is aware of what they eat, how they eat it? What does the nutritional side of things mean for you in terms of your well-being? So the nutritional side of things, are, you know, like in everybody, it's a massive part of everyone's life we all eat every day um and in this world the majority of food out there the processed stuff is shocking you know but it fixes our dopamine levels we feel great when you're eating your sticky donut or whatever it is i just walking these four days i got to eat sweets because i was walking and it felt so good but then if you eat that food all the time you know you're nutritional well-being goes down the hill you can feel low low sugar depressed you have anxieties um and it all comes down to the food we eat and the amount of processed food that there is and i know for my i have a sweet tooth i'm terrible baked goods baked goods are like oh they're the best but they're the worst i'll go and buy baked goods i go and buy belgian buns and they come in two pack two in a packet Oh, it's the best in the world. And I'll eat one, and then by the time I'm driving back home from the shop, I'd have eaten the second one because it's so good. And then I feel rubbish afterwards. My, you know, glucose, everything spikes. I get a sugar rush, and then you can sugar come down, and you're cross at everybody and everything in that way. So for me, I try and eat as well as I possibly can. I try and eat whole foods as much as I can. And whole foods, for people who don't know, they are literally foods that have not been processed in any way. So fresh fruit and vegetables, which, you know, it doesn't take, we're just growing a load of salad in our front garden and going to pick that, you know, nutritional well-being, giving that to my kids. That has more nutritional value than the lettuce that you buy from the supermarket, you know, which is, and it doesn't take much. To, if I can grow a lettuce, I think everybody can. Um, and so it's really, I hold a lot of value in it, um, even just cooking food as well, that nutritional intake of like you eat with your eyes, so looking at looking at a plate of really delicious, delicious food um, is beneficial. And I think it, it, food is really important. And I think people miss it because the food we have nowadays is so processed. And it, 
there's so many studies. I was just trying to think of something. There's one I read a brief study recently about the effects and the link between depression, anxiety to the foods that we eat and the chemicals that are in our foods. And it's kind of scary because we are what we eat, aren't we? You know, if you eat, if I was eating donuts every day, I'd be looking like a donut right now. <laughs> Don't say I already do look like a donut. Um, but yeah, and it's, uh, and, and then it's finding a balance, isn't it? Because I'm not saying to people, uh, to go on a diet. I don't believe in diets. I think they're crazy. I think it's a lifestyle change. I think you can have a balance. Um, so if you're doing your physical well-being by getting out, you can eat really good food and then you can have food that you really like the naughty stuff. You you know, allow yourself to have that because people with their nutrition, they'll go on a diet, they'll fail the diet, they start feeling sad again because they failed it. Whereas actually if they just eat good food, and I'm such an advocate of, Naomi and I are in the process at the moment making a, a, another YouTube channel where it's all about food and wild food and stuff like that. And how to cook really good food really quickly. I think everyone seems to have forgotten that whole foods, you can cook amazing, amazing meals really quickly. We've got two kids that we have to feed. Yes, they get the fish fingers and the, and the, and the fake chicken nuggets and stuff like that. But also they have good meals that take 20 minutes, half an hour to cook. And you see it more so in kids when you feed them, especially my kids, if they have it, like any sniff of sugar, that's it. They get this spike and then they're like, they're, they're angry. Whereas you feed them all your veggies and stuff like that. I'm really fortunate with my kids when they, when they go off to other people's uh, kids' birth, friends' birthdays, parties, other kids' houses, and they, they get you know fed all that normal children's food. My kids come back and go, oh, we just want vegetables. And I'm like, this is amazing. So it has a massive effect, your nutritional well-being. It's, it, you know, it's linked in with your physical stuff as well. Eating well and healthy isn't hard. It's just a mindset. Um, and it's just start off slowly. You know, I think start, if, you're, if, if, if you're a big sort of fast food eater or you're eating lots of processed food, try and drop the processed food meals down to maybe three or four times a week and adapt to another kind of way of eating like healthy healthier foods that haven't been processed um and and sort of chart that as well follow that do a journal of that and, and see see how that affects you and what foods affect you in different ways like how do you feel after four days of eating fully processed food compared to three days of eating whole foods um and it's also just taking away the stigma that oh, we're eating rabbit food kind of thing because it's, you know, it's it's pretty good stuff, salads. You know, you can make really, really good foods. Um, we had a we had a friend over. I don't really eat meat at all anymore. I have a bit of fish every now and then. But we have friends down from Scotland and they had, um, they brought down wild venison and it was, in, I hadn't eaten it for ages. And because it was wild, truly wild venison, and then, um, or uh, organic lamb meat as well. We ate all this stuff. And usually, if I eat meat, if I have a, like if I went to the shop and had a sausage from the shop, because it's full of so much crap, um, it, I'd be I'd have stomach ache and everything like that. But this meat, it was really good and strong and healthy, and it moved me through. But it's having a variety, I think, in your diet as well, and allowing yourself. I said the word diet. Allowing yourself to um, have a broad a broad nutritional base which covers everything and enjoy eating enjoy it and, and if you you know I think if you slip up 
and have a Mars bar or whatever it is. Enjoy that. Don't beat yourself up for it. As long as it doesn't happen continuously. Um, but yeah, I think nutritional well-being is, is massively important. Um, and just sort of knowing that you're eating the right stuff is, is good for you. And then you physically feel better as well with it. Although, what's your take on what's your take on the uh, nutritional stuff? Uh, very much aligned to everything you said there. And I think the last bit about enjoying food is the absolute key. I think you, you know, we are in a very fortunate position where we can pick and choose what we eat more more often than not. And with that luxury, because we have that luxury, we should enjoy what we eat and not put too much pressure on ourselves to, no, I can't have that even though I want it or I can't have that. And it's about, like you say, having the self-control to go, okay, this is to, for my well-being. I probably need to eat X, Y, and Z. And I probably don't need to eat too much of that or drink too much of that. But if you do have some of the stuff that you're not really supposed to do that, that often, that's okay. Because ultimately, if you have it as a little treat, if it's a smile on your face, special occasion, whatever the reason, that's surely a good thing for your overall holistic well-being. And I hate the word holistic, but it's useful here. But that is, surely that's a good thing for your well-being to put that childish, fun smile back on your face because you've eaten something that does put a smile on your face. And then you go back to the self-control, knowing that the food that may not be so fun, but more nutritious and equally as delicious, when you get that and you have over the long term consistent um, commitment to that, you will get better energy levels, you will get better digestion, you will get less headaches, less whatever it was that was causing you the reason to look at it in the first place. So I think, again, like the nutrition um, and nutritional well-being is not someone saying, right, you need to be a vegan or you need to do a keto diet or you need to go dairy free. It's about working out for you as an, as an individual, A, what your gut likes and wants, B, what you like and want versus what you actually like what you actually need, sorry, and meeting in the middle and creating this kind of balance that brings you happiness and health. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's so important as well because we don't really look on the inside of what's going on on the inside of us physically when we eat food. Most people see food, it's not a fuel, they don't see it as a fuel, they just see it as something they have to do. Um, and like eating three meals a day is quite crazy I was always an advocate for eating breakfast every morning I have my breakfast sort me out every day for years and years and years and years I couldn't understand why people wouldn't eat breakfast in the morning and now I kind of don't have a breakfast I'll have a like a I'll just go for go to lunch and I feel better for it some days I'll do fast days where I'll, I'll fast for for 16 hours or whatever most of that's at night time which is really easy um, and try not to eat too much food you know, just and it's all that stuff, isn't it? It's good. Another thing we changed we had we had we used to have these big red bowls that we'd fill up with our dinner, and it's like usually two and a half dinners in that bowl. We changed our eating utensils to smaller bowls where we're still eating a nice amount of food, but we're not eating double the amount of it. Um, and it's little things like that that can really really help and keep you going on your on your nutrition. Yeah, and Jim, I think you said it. It's enjoying enjoying food, but knowing when to when to stop with it, but never but never beating yourself up. I think that's about. I think that's nutritional, isn't it? In that way. Yeah, like there's a time and a place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you mentioned again a, a very lovely segue a little while back about when you start to eat better or 
eat more healthy foods more often and more regularly, more consistently, you feel like you you personally have better energy levels. So you may not have this kind of crazy like, oh my God, I'm the most energetic I have been in hours or days, but you have this constant sort of good level of energy that can see you through a day fasting, for example, and how that then there's those energy levels also play into how you feel, which we're kind of going in towards like emotional well-being now. And that's emotional well-being, I guess, can be quite a misleading heading. Yeah. What does it mean for you as, as, a, as a bearded adventure guy? <laughs> what did you call me the other day? Adventure slut. I kind of yeah. like that one. Yeah, I, I, did, I, yeah. I might have that as my, my Instagram. <laughs> I might change it. I might change my Instagram for that. I kind of liked it. Um, emotional well-being. Yeah, so that links in really nicely with the food stuff. I know when... I'm kind of, I've always been rubbish with my emotions until the last few years when I went to counselling and got that sorted out and was like, wasn't afraid to talk about how I felt. Um, not kind of heart and sleeve, but just actually owning my emotions and go, okay, that's good. I'm feeling a bit pissed off for whatever reason. Let that pass. Or, you know, I'm feeling really happy. Okay, embrace that. I know it's not going to last for long. Um, and letting them go. So emotional well-being is such a that's another subject like that's so huge, um, and it is different for every single person. I think that's the thing with well-being. It's so specific to you and these little things that keep you going. And you know, I think that's a really important thing as well. If you're wanting to for the whole well, the things that we've got down the, the the sort of foundations pillars of well-being that we're talking about. I think it's really important for people to write these headings down and and what makes them happy you know what uh, what is in physical well-being what do you like doing maybe it's like going for a walk taking a dog for a walk um nutritional stuff you really enjoy like what foods you really enjoy and then you can break that down and then emotional stuff i think that what's really helped me over the years is having a journal writing my journal every night uh, emotionally i can write down how i felt that day um, I can write down my gratitudes for the day and that lets stuff go if it's a bad time you know where I'm living right now at the moment I've got a really unique neighbor who recently punched me in the face for whatever reason like there's a whole I'm not even gonna go down there but that was paying on our emotions a lot we were quite living in this place where our neighbors are, are not good and if that was a couple of years ago before I was journaling, that would have stayed inside me and built up and that would have come across in my physical well-being. It probably would have changed my nutritional eating because I'm like so eating comfort. Can I, can I interrupt and ask <coughs> two yeah. years ago before you started journaling then, that, that exact example, what effect would have that had on your physical and emotional well, uh, sorry, physical and nutritional well-being? I think uh, I can tell you exactly because this has been going on for nearly two and a half years. So uh, with the neighbor thing. So before that, that turned into the sort of nutritional stuff, drinking more because you're blocking stuff out. You don't want to deal with it because you can't deal with it or we didn't know how to deal with it then. Um, so you're drinking more. You eat really badly, bad foods because you're stressed because of what's going on. Um, and then that physical well-being, 
that was interesting for me. I used the physical well-being as the outlet to train harder and stuff like that. But it was a really dark, it was really hard. It was really hard. So that came out every way and that affected the well-being of my house and my family. Um, then recently, after the incident, uh, just writing it down, just letting it go, just going, okay, today in my journal, dear diary, no, I didn't say that bit there, uh, dear diary, um, but it was just going, okay, today, you know, my neighbour punched me in the face, he's a numpty kind of thing, and once you've written it down, and I was like, and in my head I had many ways of revenge, like you do, um, but then I was just like, let's just write down forgiveness. He's got more problems than I have. And then I put a line under that and that let that go. And so my emotional well-being went from being pretty low and pretty crappy to going, OK, if I underline that, put a box in it, that's done now. I can let that go. I know and I forgive him for it because he's they've got far more problems than we have. And with that, that kind of changed my emotional well-being and I can just live my life quite happy again, you know, as if it didn't happen um, and not living in that in that moment. So emotional well-being covers so many different things. And I think just writing diaries and being grateful every day is so powerful. I, I, you know, a few years ago when we when we rekindled our friendship, I was doing this thing where I just told myself I love myself every day in the mirror. Now, I don't do it as much now because I don't I'm not in that place I don't think I need to do that as much I'll do it occasionally two or three times a month but not every day now and it's just uh, uh, it's not, once you love yourself your emotional well-being can, can be there um, if you've got a stressed out job you're working hard or whatever it's finding those moments to have your meditations whatever that is whether that is sitting there and doing an um breathing and whatever or whether that's walking or running or just finding those moments for your uh, emotions and sitting with them and owning them and, and going through how you know how am I feeling today I think what I start my day with as well it's like how how do I want others to see me today how do I want to be today how am I going to make myself happy you know what am I going to do today to help me keep my emotions in check um, and it plays on so many things you know if you're getting a good night's sleep I sort of beg people to go to bed early like the coolest thing in the world is to go to bed early and wake up early the next day so you've got a full day to do stuff and you're rested and recovered. And it's really, really hard to do, isn't it? For most of us, we know we've got kids, they go to bed before we've eaten, we've had our dinner, it's like nine, ten o'clock at night. You'll find me and Naomi, she, if she was here, she'd be shouting in the background because I'll go to bed. If I'm if I'm feeling tired or I've, you know, had a really physical day, I'll be in bed just after the kids. I've missed my dinner and I'll just go and sleep it off. If I get ill, I'm in bed straight away as soon as I can just to get that rest and recovery. And then that helps your emotional well-being because we've all been tired. If people out there have got kids, you know that's a roller coaster of emotions. You had it the other day, didn't you, if you're not? And I've had the it other, the other day. <laughs> Every day. Uh, you're trying to help their emotions because they're children, but they just don't understand yours. And it's a vortex. It's rem remembering to stand back from that and be grateful for what you have. And that really does help your help your emotions, which then filters down to everything else, you know. Um, it's interesting because we, Annie and I, Annie's my wife, for those who don't know, Annie and I, uh, we, we obviously, I say similar to you, our diaries are very different to most people's because we run our own business, we have our own time. 
etc so we, we we do you know spend a lot of time with the kids which is which is absolutely fantastic with the kids at home comes a lot of chaos a lot of mess <laughs> and i find myself talking about sleep when we get to the evening time we kind of feed the kids put them to bed and then if one of us is out working you know then to tidy up everything clean everything up put stuff away washing blah, blah, blah. next thing it's like nine o'clock and some days I kind of feel like yeah okay I should go to bed now because I am tired but I haven't had any time for me yet today mm. or with Annie today because we've been prioritizing kids or work or whatever so it's that again it's that balance of knowing okay actually tonight the right call is to go to bed but also actually tonight the right call is for me to do some stretching or sit and watch Top Gear or spend some time with Annie and hang out in the garden for an hour before bed or, or whatever. And I think this is a really good example of having that conscious understanding of your well-being and what is right for you at that time and being able and have enough self-belief to make the right decision for you at that very time. You're not always going to get it right because you might wake up in the morning going, I shouldn't have stayed up till 11. I should have gone to bed at nine when I wanted to. But it's about having that understanding of yourself in order to prioritize your well-being. I think that's a really important thing as well. And sort of backing your senses, essentially, of what's right for you at that time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, there was one thing that I, I, I read about, it must have been last year. It was a really good thing. If people are really busy jobs and they're, they're like emotion, they're stressed out or whatever, they make like a 60 second video on their phone that's got a bit of their favourite music, a load of photographs, you know, something like that, 60 seconds long that you can you tap into, you can, and we can all, our phones are amazing, you can do all this kind of stuff, you can put, like, make a little video with your favourite track um, and a load of your photographs just to take you away from that stress and your emotional, your emotional well-being and just give it, top it up, um, which I think, to, you know, I've never, I've never done it because I've never needed to, I'm like you, I don't, uh, not in an office every day I'm outside working or doing that you know we choose our own timetables when I work I'm really really fortunate in that way and but for people who you know are in office or, or just have stressed lives give them do, do like a 60 second uh, emotional well-being video in that in that way of favorite song whatever it could be anything that you really like but you've got 60 seconds where you can just break yourself away and just sort of top yourself up a little bit and and just a little smile to yourself always helps, doesn't it? It's it's so amazing. I it's I, it was reading um, uh, an article uh, about Courtney DeWalter and how her ultra running and actually it's how when she smiles, you know, she might be in the worst pain in the world, but when she smiles, that affects everyone around her and it affects herself. And I think that's massively powerful. It's sometimes really hard to do when you're in a in a, in a bad way, but it's just allowing yourself to break away from what's going on and then you can sort of reevaluate. Um, but yeah, the emotional one, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a minefield, um, but like it's big. And I think it's learning to be of yourself and understanding who you are. And I always find, you know, with people say, describe yourself. And I'm like, I'm really, I can't describe myself. I have to have other people do it because I'm just miss, I don't know why it's weird. But maybe getting people to help you with your emotions, okay, so help me, you know, maybe a close friend and just say, you know, where do you think I can well, it, describe me emotionally kind of thing. And sometimes that can be really difficult, like, you know, that the, the honesty of friends can be quite uh, abrasive, but they're doing it as a friend. Um, and then you can work on the bits where, you know, you might not be 
so emotionally strong or you know areas where you could be overcompensating you know I went years of being trying to be fully positive all the time and I wasn't a balanced human being and you know I was quite unhinged I didn't have the downside where you need you can't be up all the time it's like nobody is and if they are they're crazy um, <laughs> and you need the downside so it's finding people your emotional journey and finding out what that works because I don't think I don't know maybe your listeners will know, but I don't think many people check in with their emotions that much because we live in such a hectic, busy world that we forget about ourselves. Like, you know, by the end of the day, you're saying, I haven't had my moment for myself. So if you can allocate a, a time of the day where you just go, I'll just tune in. And that comes down to physical and nutritional well-being. You just tune into yourself and you can go, right, okay, today I'm good. Yeah, it's... um. It's, we've, we've talked about kids as well on this pod so far. And one thing we've sort of tried to introduce with ours is they tell us what colour they feel, mm. which actually when you try that yourself is, is clear and obvious. Well, how, what colour do I feel now? If you're normally in a rage red, <laughs> yeah. if you're feeling happy, it's kind of a bluey, greeny kind of colour. And when you sort of have that scale, it's really interesting to see them and how they sort of tap into how they feel on an emotional level in a real simplistic way. Because I wanted to ask you, and I think you sort of, you sort of answered it already about, particularly being a guy, to kind of tap into your emotions and tap into your not tap in, but actually roll with your emotions and feel them and work out what they mean and how who you are when you're feeling such and such. It's quite a big deal, but I think to do it subtly and to do it slowly and to just ask yourself some simple questions and ultimately sort of do a high five in the mirror or tell yourself you love yourself is probably the easiest way to start that. Yeah. And start smiling at yourself and being true to yourself because it's you know all, all these emotions their emotions are there for a reason we feel stuff yeah and, totally and, and feel, feeling stuff is great and it's not i think there's a tag that comes with emotional well-being which is kind of like soft candles bubble bath you know sitting in a you know sitting in a bubble bath and experiencing your emotions it's it's actually not that it's strength it's um resilience it's being becoming more robust as an individual um all those types of things that come from your emotional well-being and for those people that are listening that are you know are quite keen on the physical side of stuff when you understand yourself on an emotional level it just adds so much value to your physical performance yeah and your, cool. and your decision decision making i think yeah i think i think you're i think you're right there it doesn't yeah it doesn't have to be all fairy tales and unicorns and rainbows <laughs> but actually that stuff has a place and it's really important you know, it's really important to own it, to, you know, as a guy, to have a cry, to embrace people, to laugh. You know, we need them. That's our, that's our fuel. It's releases. You know, we, we, there's a book we got our kids. Uh, it's, about, it's called Filling Your Bucket. And basically, if people take from your bucket all the time, you'll give from your bucket, you're emotionally drained. So what you want to be doing is be kind and generous and fill people's buckets and it comes back to you. And, but be open and honest with your feelings, um, which is true to everybody. You know, we hide stuff, we we keep things in. Someone might say something, we're like, well, oh, I don't, I don't agree with that. But you kind of hold it in. I'm like, I like people who say how they're feeling, and like be really true. And it can be quite biting and stuff. But then you can go, okay, I can work on that. Or that's really interesting. Like they're so, you know, you watch people who are just really. Um, can really talk about their emotions and I'm like wow that must be really liberating but the easiest thing is just trying it you know and I found when I started talking about my emotions and being more 
connected with my emotions, life around me again just changed. It went up a notch. Everything else got slightly better because I was wasn't living in the frustration or I wasn't trying to extend the the happiness or the the the, the pleasures and stuff like that. And it's just being aware of yourself. And once you're self-aware and those emotions, like you say, it filters into everything. Mm. Someone asked me a question the other day. I can't remember what the context was. Um, they asked, you know, hi, how you doing? You're right. Yeah, nice to see you. Well, yeah. And then what are you up to? Not such and such. And they, they, they said, are you, you still enjoying that? And it kind of was one of those questions I wasn't expecting. And it, I sort of answered it on the hoof. But I found myself thinking about it a few hours later like am I still enjoying that I don't know and it's kind of like well it's, it made me think about the sort of the emotional well-being things in terms of like when someone asks you the right question at the right time really sort of makes you helps you to think and to find some answers about what you might be sort of needing yeah I just it's found great. that really interesting that it kind of like just completely sideswiped me it wasn't your standard conversation question that you know you when you meet someone you haven't seen for a while it's like she suddenly sort of almost challenged me in a way that I wasn't expecting. It really made me consciously think, which I thought was a very, she didn't know what the effect that that comment had had on me in a really positive way. So I just think, yeah, emotional well-being is, again, it's a massive topic. And when you start to really engage with your emotions as a person, you find out more about who you are and what you are and how you can then apply yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think that one out of the ones we talked about, probably the emotional ones, probably, for me personally, it's the toughest one. Mm, me um, too. And I don't know why that is. I think it's just probably the world we grew up in and live in. Nowadays, people, I think, can trust in that, in their emotions. Um, and talk, I mean, talking about them. Um, you know, on this, on the walk I've just done, it is, you talked with, there's a load of students there just finished university. And the way they talk about their emotions, their feelings, their beings, who they are, I was just like, I was in awe. I was like, that's, you know, that's so, you guys are inspiring me to, to being in, con connect with my emotions on every, on every level. And I think the younger generation now can do that. Most probably when we were brought up, it was less so. And even generations before that, it was less, much less. So we're in a good place to sort of be open open and honest with yourself and I think that's the key thing if you can be true and honest to yourself then it all fits in doesn't it absolutely absolutely the last but by no means least important pillar of this well-being chat is the financial well-being which is something personally I've definitely struggled with what that means to me in previous years I think I'm getting much more on top of it now although I kind of Similar to you, I find the emotional well, emotional well-being the thing I probably had to work on the most. The financial well-being is something I I still need to probably delve into a little bit more and understand a little bit more on a personal level. What is what does that mean to you, financial well-being? Finance. When you sent me over this to the podcast, I was thinking about the financial one, and it's it's like you as well. Like financial for me, I know when we've got money coming in. Life is great because money does give you freedom and it's really special. But then I also spent majority of my life not giving a shit about money in a way that money is evil kind of thing. Why do you have money? Uh, rich people, this, like that kind of thing, which was far more detrimental to how I am or how I was living then to how I am now. 
So financial, it's a, it's a difficult one for me. I'm really crap with finances and stuff like that. It's it's a place I need to work the most on. Um, but it's really interesting and fascinating because the finances have an effect on you. If you don't have any money, you can't go and do the things you want to do. And yes, there are you can go for a walk and stuff like that. But the finances have we're affected money is in everything that we do we don't live in a free society in that way we have money in everything that we do and for me um knowing when i'm earning money life is great and i get freedom to do stuff um when we don't have it like my business with it can be feast and famine when we don't have it it's really tough you know recently when we sort of from january up until early may we our business hadn't really we hadn't been that busy and so we ended up having to go to the food bank and having food bank there which was quite interesting um in that way of just going wow and that affected my well-being a lot because i was like well me and them are meant to be the providers for our children and we can't even put food on the table at the moment yet nobody wants to talk about finances and it and everyone's like it's kind of, I don't know why it's a taboo subject, but it seems to be. Um, and I would talk to my friends and be open about like, yeah, we're skin. And I mean, when we're skin, we've got nothing in the bank. Even the overdrafts are like looking at us. And people just, they don't, they get really weird around money and finances. And I, I, I never understood why. So we've been in that for a while. Um, and that's a place we need to work on. And we were chatting with our friends the other day about, you know, Naomi and I put a lot of emphasis on where we want to be, what we want to do, you know, everything like that. But we've never put emphasis on our business plan. We've never done a business plan. And we looked at it and someone said, why, you know, you're financially struggling. Why haven't you done this before? And we're like, I, I don't know. We, we, work in every, we work in every other field of our life to make better and improve. But on the business side of things, because we're in it, <coughs> we just tick over. We've never really made a plan. And it was fascinating. We were like, the, the, it was just that eureka moment. And it's so simple. You know, we've, our business has been running for 12 years. Somehow, it, that's success, I think, in itself. Um, you know, so when Naomi comes back from her walk, our, what we're going to do is make a plan for our business to make it financially viable and work out how our finances need to be. Because lots of people, I think the effect of, not having money or not earning, not providing enough is a really massive one for mental health in that way. You've seen it, you read the stories of, you know, people not being able to do stuff because of money and it can lead to really bad consequences down the line, you know. So it's hugely important. I think if people just get their finances in check, I definitely doing that. It's quite amazing, you know, I'm 42 years of age, I've never done anything with my finances, it comes, it goes, you know, uh, and that's how I looked at it. And now it's like, well, actually, let's make a plan. Uh, you know, I want to be in the next five years, I want to, I'd love to be mortgage free, that would be amazing. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but that would be amazing. Um, I want to have a new house. Uh, I want to be able to do like have one holiday a year abroad and stuff like that. So if you start having financial goals, I think that's massively helpful. And it's weird when I did that, I, said, I did this thing where 
each month I'd write down what I wanted to earn each month. And the first time I did it, I mean, it's really kind of funny because I was just like, oh, I'm write down X amount of money. And I kind of really didn't put any energy into it because it's financial and I, I can't be arsed with that kind of side of things. The easiest one to drop, but the one that most of us probably need to work on. And so I put in, you know, I wanted to earn X amount for, for that month. And then the next, you put it out to the ether. And within the next 10 days, we got, we, we earned double that amount of money that I wrote down. And it felt good. And it was really powerful. But then I forgot about it again. And I'm going to write it down, actually. What, what, what now? So for July, I'm going to write down my financial goal for July. Um, but it makes you feel good. And we, we need money. And I, I think, you know, I'm probably one of the worst people out there uh, to, to be like, I don't know, I can never be a financial advisor because it's just it's crazy. Although I should be. Maybe I should become a financial advisor and advise myself on doing good things and having investments and stuff like that. I think that's key. If there's any young people listening out there now in your 20s, invest in stuff now because by the time you're 30 and 40, you'll be all right. I don't know. What do you think about financial finance? Finance, because it's a funny one because it seems to be so taboo. It is quite taboo. And I think part of the reason why it is so taboo, and I probably should have to put this out there, just for the record, we're not offering financial advice. <laughs> no, <laughs> neither of us are qualified to do so. But I think, in terms of financial well-being, the financial industry itself is quite um, enclosed. It's quite uh, there's, there's specific rules and regulations. So, in order for some, somebody to get advice, they have to go to a financial advisor who can only give a certain type of advice because that's what they're bound to by their qualifications and law. Yeah, and I think that then makes it quite a kind of uh, a unique environment in the well-being space, because there's only a few people that are actually qualified to talk about finances properly, yeah. and do they come at it from a financial well-being perspective, or how do we make 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 money, which is completely different to financial well-being. I think financial well-being. I think you you kind of alluded to it earlier is is having your goals, what your goals are financially and creating a plan to get there. So if you want the million dollar house, the big cars, holidays, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's fine. If that's what you want, that's absolutely fine. You make a plan to go and get it. If you don't, if you want to live the kind of uh, different lifestyle of not having all those luxury items and things, that's okay. And how do you plan to hit, to hit that? And I think knowing and being happy and comfortable and peaceful in what your goal is then allows you to create the plan to get there. And this is what I've learned through mainly my wife, Annie. She's very good at that planning phase and kind of executing that for our business. Um, and again, it's very similar to you, Dan. This is probably why we get on so well. I think the financial and the emotional pillars are the two that uh, certainly the emotional, I'm very well connected in it now, but mm. I've had to work at it a lot. The financial is one of those things that is quite taboo. It is quite kind of like, I, I, I've got this, I think I've, I've struggled over the years with this sense of value and particularly yeah. what success is. And for me, up until a few years ago, success has very much been driven by trying to earn as much money as other people or <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to earn probably more than what I need, for maybe, and not being happy with what I am earning because it's not, a, not as much as other people. That's not financial well-being. That's kind of jealousy. That's kind of self, um, you know, not not being self-aware. That's not being very kind to myself or recognizing my successes. So I think I've had a bit of 
bit of stuff there with the financial well-being that I've definitely worked through now or working through. I think it's the practical side of the more management of finances, but probably I need to, well, it sounds like we both need, need a little bit of help on, but, but hey, hey, nobody's perfect, Yeah, right? it's, it's, yeah the financial, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I think my plan for the financial stuff now is that it's setting up this, I've got the Danimal Explores YouTube channel, which is to do with wild camping, some of my adventures and stuff like that. And I want to make that as a as a as one of the branches to the financial tree, you know. So I, you know, I've got the Stone Age stuff, got that, and then we're setting up another cooking one called Mildly Wild, and it's just to bring in an income, a small bit of income here and there, and everywhere that gives us the freedom to go and do the stuff that we want to do. And that's what I've learned recently. If you've got financial, if you've got money, you you've got you've got a bit more freedom. Um, I'm not saying like millions of pounds because people get confused. They, like you said, we compare ourselves to others earning like 100 grand a year or whatever, but they're earning 100 grand a year and they're working every day, like 90 hour weeks probably. I don't know, I'm just generalizing now. Whereas I don't really have that much money, quite, quite the opposite. And But I have a lot of time in my freedom. But it's finding that meeting point in the middle I need to work on um, and making my plans, my financial plans work a bit better especially for you know I, it's simple things as well like having a mentor for my youtube channel i've got this guy who now mentors me to make youtube channels to work for people you know instead of me just going on a jolly and making a video of it and 12 people watch a video like now i've learned that people want to watch specific things which would then i know it's going on a bit of a tangent but then that affects my videos where i can make my channel um become profitable and make me a small income then that makes me happy I'm doing one thing I love I'm educating people which I love I realize I'm an educator and I really really love helping people uh, achieve stuff so through that medium of YouTube which is amazing I can then hopefully no not hopefully I will be making money and I've got a goal by March 2023 that that I'll start making uh, an income from the YouTube channels and that way makes me feel good, you know, whereas before when our business was running, we'd have times where we have no money, no plan, and it's quite terrifying. And if it wasn't for friends and family around us who who know how much, how hard we work to keep our business going and do the stuff we've done, you know, um, on paper we've done amazing stuff, but for some reason we've never translated that into the bank account, you know, which has been, I look at what we've done, our business, the success in that, but it's down to not having a financial plan uh, uh, in in that way, and that's where we've always stalled. In our way, we've looked at it and gone, "Yeah, finance is money, whatever." You know, it comes and goes, but that's a really detrimental way to look at finances. We should be going, "Okay, I want to be. This is what I need to earn each month. This is what I need to earn each year." Um, to make everything meet and it's that sweet spot in the middle isn't it it's that sweet spot i think my aren't we worked out and i don't mind talking about finances i'm really open and people get really weird weirded out by it we worked out at one point i think it was two two years ago just before the lockdown the lockdown by the way because we were on furlough it was amazing we got paid regularly every month which hadn't happened in the business forever it's just amazing before that we worked out the name and i were earning um about four thousand pounds and four thousand pounds a year each with a family i don't know how we survived i don't know what we did to 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 survive and pay mortgages and stuff like that i couldn't tell you but it was 
yeah, it was that much a year. And then we, we looked at it again, looked at the business, and, you know, we take in, at the moment, probably about 11 grand a month. 11, not a month, that would be wonderful. 11 grand a year each, if that. And it's now, because we've been so blasé with our finances, people are probably going, "What? how the hell do you manage with that? That's, you know, below the poverty line and all sorts of things like that. I don't know how we've managed it, but I know how I can change that um, because I know each year we get to a point where we're like, we've got no money. That, you know, how are we going to survive? I'm going to put food on the table. I know now that I've come through it enough that I've realised that actually to make a financial plan, a five-year plan, whatever that is, even if a one-year plan or one-month plan, that we can work on that, bring in more work, work these other sort of creative avenues that we want to go down, that our financial well-being will just be so much better than it is now. And it's kind of nice talking out loud about it because it means now when I get off this podcast, I'm just going to go, right, okay, I've got a couple of hours before I pick the kids up. I, I should start making a plan instead of just having it go around in my head because it's it's one of the ones we don't want to talk about, you don't want to deal with because, you know, everyone's money's a weird thing to some people, especially me. So it's really interesting. It's kind of ignited that and gone, actually, me sort of going through those statistics in my head and talking about them now, it's like, oh, yeah, I need to do better in my financial area and, and bring it in. So, right, there we go. What is it? A million? I'll be a millionaire in a year. 365 days. There we go. I'll try and make a million quid. Heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, right. The big question then, to sort of pull it all together, and this, there's, for me, there's definitely not, I don't think there's even an answer, to be honest, but how do these four pillars of well-being fit together? Wow, uh, they I think they just do, mate. That's it. There Basically. we go. Uh, yeah, I think well, you can't have you can't have one without the other. They all they all um, what do they call those diagrams? They have all the circles on. Oh, they? Venn diagrams. Uh, yeah, one of those. A Venn diagram. They all fit in together, and you're the bit in the middle. Um, you can't have if you take away. Well, you can't take away any of them. Um, it would be nice to take away the financial one, but. Uh, you know, and, but you need all, all of them fit together. So if you're physically well, majority of the time you're emotionally well, which means you're nutritionally well. And that's where the weird one, the financial one comes in, because that's a bit different. Um, if you're financially well off or financially well, you're in a good space, however that is to you, whatever that means. Usually you, you, you're, you, 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 emotionally well maybe or physically well so that's why the sort of the anomaly in it i think is the is the financial one um you can't take it away but you don't need it as much kind of thing it's like, yeah it's like you said earlier that you've got you've got the physical the emotional and the nutritional which as a species we've always needed yeah. those three and then you chuck in the financial which as a species we don't need we don't need money no. but in order to survive in the modern day you do it's 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 currency right so you have to have some sort of income coming in in order to kind of survive like you say put food on the table etc so that's where I, I think that the financial one is like you say the anomaly because it's one that's been sort of forced upon us rather than one that's always been with us and how that does have an effect you know, like we've had it before with our business on the times when it's like 
you know, it's a quiet couple of months, you're like, well, okay, that does have an effect on your physical well-being because you might not sleep so well, which has an effect on your emotional well-being, how you carry yourself around, how you decision-make because you're stressed and you want, ah, and you can potentially make rash decisions. And I think the financial well-being is an odd one, but it's so important and it's so intertwined with everything that we do because pretty much everything costs money in one way or another now. Yeah. Which you can't. I'm invoicing you for this chat, so you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 there we go. Um, it's like how and how can that not affect you? You know. Yeah, yeah it's a fight, but they all they all link. You know, with we need them all. They're all there, but I think the best way to keep your well-being topped up is to work on those individual titles, foundations, pillars, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, each time, and know that they will have a knock-on effect to every other one it's circular isn't it? it goes round in circles you just keep topping up all of them and that and that that actually it's very rare that they're all perfect but when they are embrace it because you know it changes again it's like that thing it's like success you work so hard to get to the place and then you're successful i always put the analogy of when you're walking up a mountain it's a struggle it's four or five hours hiking up a mountain whatever weather you get to the top that's your success moment that doesn't last long at all it's just like a, a pinprick in the sky and then you've got to walk back down again and get off the mountain you know it's, it's always ups and downs and if you can keep them in check and balance them as much as you can and just work on them a small bit each day it's that book isn't it one, like atomic habits one percent better each day i think that for me is is massive but if you can work on these one uh, percent each day then you'll be a better person by the end of the year wow what a way to wrap it up deep <laughs> that really deep well mate thank you thank you so much for opening up and again sharing your insight your experience um on all things sort of well-being i think certainly i've taken a lot from that it's been it's always good to kind of talk these things through and hopefully the listeners will find that really useful as well as interesting and and in understanding themselves a little bit more and how they can apply these these sort of uh these areas of well-being how they can apply themselves to them and engage and connect with them so mate massive appreciation from me what's uh what's next for you in terms of challenge challenges i know the listeners are quite interested in what you get get yourself up to okay yeah so the 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 cape raft was the big one um what's next I think, no, I know, I thought about this on my walk, is that I would really want to go and do the fastest known time again on the Rekin and see if I can smash that. Um, that's kind of, I think I might do that in September. Uh, I think that'd be like almost a year since I last did it. So yeah, I think that's kind of like the plan. I haven't got any, anything big for this year. Um, I was chatting to a guy at the host, one of the hostels or hotels we were staying at on the walk and he he did the coast to coast the northern traverse and he came in third he did it in like 50 hours or something like that and i was like oh, God, maybe that but then after that following that we've got we've got guinea following year that's going to be worked on but i'm not really talking about that much at the moment because there's so much going on yeah, yeah, yeah i don't i think i'm just going to be i think i'm just going to enjoy um just enjoy not having any pressure to do anything just get out and enjoy running again enjoy doing physical activity um and keep everything on a low down apart from the reekin the reekin run and then the other physical challenges i'm going to try and watch the western states 
race, the 100, it's on this weekend, I think they've got a live stream, so that would be an endurance, sitting there, <laughs> I was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, mate, thanks so much again for your time. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing your insights. And uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on another episode in the not too distant future. Cheers, dude. Thanks a lot. No worries at all. And thanks again for the listeners. As ever, if you uh, if you love the content, please don't hesitate to leave us a review. Please share it with your friends, family and colleagues. I'm sure it will always help someone who might need it. But look after yourselves and I'll be back with some more content soon. Take care, everyone.